What's going on, guys? This is Rob Doster here. I want to let you know about our sponsors, Anchor by Spotify. If you haven't heard about them yet, it is the easiest way for you to make a podcast. I know because all of our 28 podcasts on the field of 68 and the field of 12 use Anchor by Spotify. It has the tools that will allow you to record and edit your pods right from your phone or your computer. You can distribute anywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all those places that allow you to listen to podcasts for absolutely free. Anchor sends those pods directly to the feeds. And here's the best part about it. Anchor is totally free. So make sure you download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm if you want to get started on your own podcast. Episode of the Doster and Deshaun podcast. It is Monday night. It is exactly 1132 in the p.m. Eastern Standard Time, the only legitimate time zone. And we are looking at the USC-Kansas game. And, Day, I think this one is over. Uh, Kansas is down by 33 points with four minutes and 37 seconds left. I don't think they're coming back. I think we can can safely uh, fire up the stream and start talking about the weekend uh, in review. So, what's going on, Uh, man? How you doing? uh, Honestly, I want to kind of take a step back and maybe we should rethink the best time zone thing after watching the Pac-12 just do what they've done. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, but, uh, but back to me, uh, everything's been good, man. I can't complain, man. Like I said, I've been watching some uh, interesting some interesting uh, basketball this, this past weekend and today, and I've enjoyed a lot of it. I've been uh, heartbroken at the same time. I've been in awe. It's just uh, everything that you would expect from – the, the, the field, man. This is what everything everything you expect from the first weekend of the uh, the tournament. All right, so sun, uh, Sunday. I keep saying it's Sunday, and it's actually Monday. It's very weird having these the tournament games like on the wrong day. It, it's been throwing me off all week. <laughs> but um, I think the uh, the biggest takeaway that I had um, from today's games was that like the Pac-12 is there. I think that they're actually like legit. Like what? what first of all, what were we missing before? that we didn't see with them. And two, like we have four Pac-12 teams down the Sweet 16. One of them was a six seed in USC. One of them was a seven seed in Oregon. One of them was an 11 seed that played in the playing game in UCLA. And one of them was a 12 seed in Oregon State. Like what what were we missing there? Um, I I feel like this is going to be a cop-out answer. But uh, I feel like we all – not just me, but I feel like a lot of people that are involved in college basketball kind of get so uh, um, preoccupied with the uh, steel sharpen steel mindset, thinking, you mm-hmm. know, if you play the better teams consistently during the year, if you play against this team and that team or in this conference or that conference consistently during the year, it will it will prepare you for the tournament, which it does in a sense. I mean, who would think that playing against competition would be bad for you? But I kind of feel like uh, with the Pac-12 teams, a ton of them have played against some decent competition early on and it didn't work out. And just like other conferences, you know, you get written off like, all right, well, they're not as good this year because they didn't do well against this conference who we assume is going to be stacked or they have the better players or the better team or good coaching. And we kind of, write them off. Not to mention the way the uh, the time zones work, we don't catch a lot of their games as consistently. So we don't see their growth like we see, you know, a UConn's growth or we see a Maryland's growth throughout the year. So they could kind of get overlooked. And then when the tournament time comes, I mean, these guys have been putting in work, obviously, and 
when it's time to play, they 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 shine. <laughs> yeah, I I have no nothing but uh, I had to tip my hat off to them, but I'm not taking this hat off. But I'm I well, tip my hat off to them. Yeah, I, I think we all kind of saw Oregon coming, right? Like I don't know if we yeah, necessarily yeah, yeah. Oregon to run Iowa off the floor the way that they ran Iowa off the floor, but I think we all saw we all saw Oregon coming. Like it was pretty obvious um, in, in the moment that that was a team that was much better than what their record was going to be because. You know, they had a couple of losses during conference play when they were coming out of their pauses, and they never really had a chance to get a good one. So we saw we saw Oregon coming. Mm-hmm. Um, the USC thing is, to me, that one's pretty obvious, right? Evan Mobley and Isaiah Mobley, when they played the way that they did tonight against Kansas, oh, dude, I don't know if – like, they could take down Gonzaga. Like, I don't, I'm not, I don't even think that that's an exaggeration. Look, there were, there were three plays that stood out to me more than anything else today. Like, we already know – we know what kind of impact Evan Mobley has defensively because of his ability to just completely take away anything within 12 feet of the basket and completely eliminate ball screens. But there were there were three plays. One of them was Isaiah Mobley. I think it was the fourth three that he hit in the first half was a step back three. It was a six foot eleven power forward that's known as as kind of like a lob target a little bit, right? So mm-hmm. he he hits a step back three in the second half. I think it was the third possession of the half. Evan Mobley grabs a defensive rebound. Brings it all the way down the court, dribbles into the paint, turns around, dribbles into a post up, has David McCormick on, on his back, waits until the help comes to him, and then just kicks it out to a wide open three point shooter for uh, for USC. Bang, drills the three. Three possessions later, at li- literally as I'm finishing the tweet to to say like holy shit, Evan Mobley just did this. Isaiah Mobley catches the ball in the wing, pump fakes, two dribbles into the paint around David McCormick. Draws a help defender, kicks it out to the corner, boom, wide open three. And if those two are going to be able to do that with the shooters that USC has around them, they, I mean, that is a scary good team. No, it was definitely. Um, I kind of felt like the Pac-12, as far as um, as far as the tournament, I kind of thought they had a, a pretty, like, I don't want to say welcoming, Matt, like, or, or just – but I mean, if I look at their first game, like Oregon had VCU, which I, I knew Oregon would win that game. I, I just thought that was going to be the case. USC, who's a good team with a really good player, has Drake, who's a, a good team, but I don't think Drake has anybody. I didn't think that Drake had anybody that would match up with with Mobley. Period. And their games, like their games that this today, I mean, this next the next round were the important ones. You know, Iowa and. And you and uh, and Kansas, excuse me. Um, those are the proven games. I still, I'm still looking more or less to see what UCLA does the next round. But I mean, they, I kind of feel like what they got, they got the emotional roller coaster of uh, from ACU, and they they beat them. They were better than them, and not to mention, I mean, BYU was good, but I still thought UCLA was a better team. But like. It's it's not impossible to think that if you see USC plays this well that they can possibly beat a a a Gonzaga. I mean, do I think it's going to be the case? Nah, but it's very possible, especially if if Moby's playing well, and especially when, in my opinion, Gonzaga's kryptonite would be the inside the inside pressure they'd have to to place on Drew Timmy. I mean, do yep. I think those guards can keep up with Gonzaga's guards? Nah, no chance. But if if Evan Mobley demands that much attention because he and his brother are out there putting work in the paint, then those guards can uh, probably do a little bit more damage than uh, Gonzaga would expect them to. 
Yeah, I mean, the big thing would be that you still have to get past Oregon, who has been awesome, right? Uh, I mean, geez. But, <laughs> the, the, reason, the reason why that matchup, like the reason why they could give um, Gonzaga a lot of trouble mm-hmm. is that like Gonzaga runs a continuity ball screen, which basically means all they want to do offensively is get their guards coming downhill off of ball screens, get mm-hmm. Timmy rolling to the basket and trying to find him on post seals. And what Evan Mobley can do is, one, take away Drew Timmy's post seals because he's so long. Uh, and two, you can't like it's just it's very, very difficult to run ball screens against USC because Evan Mobley is so good at playing drop coverage. And that could be a very, very problematic matchup for uh, for Gonzaga. I still think that they would win just there. Yeah, I mean, definitely, definitely, definitely. Uh, but then at the other end of the floor, if, if Isaiah Mobley is able to at least play a little bit on the perimeter, then like they can just take such advantage of the fact that they have so much size. And that's still a pretty big if. And again, yeah. we're also talking about um, about the fact that. Uh, like this was like probably the best game we're ever going to see USC play, so we got to ca- also keep that in context. But then, like UCLA, that was incredible too. But you know, I think part of of this run that UCLA is on is one, they beat a Michigan State team that like is apparently not very good. Uh, they beat BYU, who is coming from a league where I mean, look, um, everyone from like the Mountain West and the WCC, I think we can kind of say was maybe a little bit overinflated. Um, you know, just I thought they overachieved this year, personally. Yeah, yeah, they had a I good did. team, though. I like their team. They were I good, like but they probably but weren't. They weren't. Yeah, um, and then and then UCLA beat Abilene Christian. So like they they're one of those teams that got a little bit of a benefit of the draw. That's not yeah. to take like I'm not trying to take away from what they did because I mean Johnny Juzang was awesome. Jaime Jacquez was awesome. The dunk exactly. that he had against BYU at the end. Did you yeah, see that? That one? was big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're talking about, like, is that the, is that? Oh, you talking about the uh, in OT? The the one or was in, I can't remember. He had a good overtime. He had a good overtime. No, it was uh, it was the um, it was Michigan State. Yeah, yeah, where yeah, he drove Michigan State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're him on the perimeter, and he drives left around the dude and takes off and dunks it two hands in traffic. Ah, that was. I awesome. like him though. I like him. He's tough. He can play, man. He can play. He can play. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that was they. They looked really good, and then Oregon State to me is just it, that. That's just kind of like your plucky underdog story, like that. Yeah, those things happen. Um, they matched up well with a bad Tennessee team. Um, they played really confident against uh, an Oklahoma State team that just was atrocious. Oklahoma State made so many bad decisions. We'll get into that. Um, all right, so what happened with the Big Ten? I have a theory. Can I bounce this theory off you? I want to hey, before you bounce the theory off of it, like, what is the name of this podcast? What is the name of the show? The the Doster and Deshaun podcast. Why? I thought it was beers and Ball. The beers and ball. Li- oh yeah, it's the beers and ball live stream. We got. We, and we got- how could we? How could we like start the show? <laughs> I, I've been drinking my beer. Like, oh no, we don't, that's not it. that's not how we do things here, Rob. We usually have to talk. We usually talk about what we're yeah. drinking. We usually look. You know what? I I apologize. You're right. You, you, you should you apologize have, to these people. You must have something good over there. What do you? What do you? Nah, no, I really don't. <laughs> uh, I'm here with the uh, the Hefeweizen, uh, the the vine stepping. This is a nice little. Uh, Nice little German uh, masterpiece here. So, shout out to the uh, people over there in the Bavarian what, what region. Brewery, what, brewery, what brewery is it, dude? I couldn't tell you. <laughs> oh, it's, a, it's like a legit German beer, like a yes. German beer from Germany. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. I got a I got a nice little Kane Brewing Company IPA going there. Tall boy. It's uh it's only a single IPA. It's not a dip or a tip of today. So um, it's not a competition. Don't worry about it. Yeah, it's not a competition. It's a it's a little bit light. Uh, but I was in the mood for something. You know, it's, it was nice out here today. It was sixty degrees out, so I needed something kind of like 
a little bit lighter in my life, you know, like it, it, was, <laughs> it was one of those days where you just kind of, you know, I didn't want to, as much as I love sitting inside all day and watching basketball, like I kind of just wanted to like sit outside and drink and, and get the barbecue going and smoke some meat and you know how it is. Um, anyway. Yeah. All right. So you got these big, people riled up in the comments, by the way. Well, for what did I do? Oh, they're talking they're on your neck about Michigan, but we'll get into that later. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I did think it, I did think it was uh, and I said they were one of the. I don't know if I said they were the third or fourth best team in the Big Ten. Um, that seems that seems that seems something that's like maybe I said that in the preseason. Um, anyway, <laughs> let's get it. Anyway, so about uh, about the Big Ten. Here's my theory on what on what's going on with them and why Michigan is still around. Uh, so the big thing about that conference is like everybody they, they play like a very throwback brand of basketball, right? Like everybody in the league has one of these big physical setups that can't really guard out on the perimeter. And what have we said all all season long about Kofi Coburn? That's, Illinois that's is weakness. yeah. Illinois gets in trouble when they face teams that can run him, put him into ball screens, and make him have to make a decision out on the perimeter. And that's precisely what Loyola did. They were able to get him, uh, get put Cameron Crutwig uh, into it was like DHOs and dribble handoffs yeah. off of double, like multiple screens. Um, and be able to to create a kind of action that that forced Kofi to have to be the guy that was kind of guarding somebody that they couldn't didn't send him any help and he couldn't do it like that's how they they were able to just slice Illinois' defense apart doing that and uh, when you combine that with the fact that Loyola is very 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 good defensively that's that's problematic long term um, you look at teams like Wisconsin you know Wisconsin is always going to have two bigs out there so when you have to go up against a team like Baylor that spaces the floor. But it's going to pressure the hell out of your guards and is going to take away opportunities for you to be able to, to get entry passes into the post and take advantage of your size. You know, that becomes a problem. Um, same thing with Purdue. They're kind of built around the post. So while all of these teams are good in their own right, they kind of get built up a little bit playing the style of basketball against teams that all play that same style. And when you get outside of the conference and you start facing some of these teams, that are able to space the floor and that are able to play a little bit more modern and that are able to um, get shooters out on the perimeter and, and pull bigs away from the basket. Uh, that's, that's the kind of thing where you run into trouble and that's why you see them end up losing games. So um, the reason why I think uh, Michigan is still here is, is I do believe that they probably have the closest thing to a modern NBA roster because they can still put out the, you know, even with, uh, without Isaiah Livers there, they can still put like Franz kind of playing that three four role and Shandy playing that two three role. Um, and ideally, you have Livers out there because he's kind of that perfect four man. Um, mm-hmm. It allows them to kind of uh, negate some of those mismatches. But that's my take on the Big Ten is they play a style that's very very difficult uh, to play in the modern game. Um, I just feel like uh, a lot of the coaches didn't make proper adjustments during these games. Like with, when you have that kind of size mismatch. To me, with basketball, regardless of like what's going on and whether like at the moment right now we're playing more four out and one in or even five out. I mean, basketball is basketball. And sometimes some matchups do go against what you can do. But at the same time, if your coaches can make the proper adjustments, you can still have those advantages like they have in size. And I don't feel like many of the coaches made many, uh, many, many adjustments. And most of the time, these like you just brought up, a, a lot of these guys, these bigs, were out there guarding, you know, bigs that can pass like Crowick or big or systems that literally had these bigs on the perimeter a little bit. I just I feel with with these teams, 
adjustments were everything, and I feel like Michigan made the right adjustments and they played a great, like great basketball. Yeah, I mean, they, I also, they, they, I also, they don't they didn't Michigan, get too hung we, up on that stuff. Can, can we just give a quick shout out to Brandon Johns? Played twenty seven. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was he was really really good. And when they made their run in the second half, he was the guy that stepped up and, and uh, was put on an island against Javante Smart and kept him in front. And then was put on an island against uh, Cam Thomas and kept him in front. And like those guys, those guys got to the paint, but they didn't finish at the rim. And and yeah. uh, he made he made like three or four really big plays like that during the shirt the, the stretch where Michigan turned like a five point deficit and pushed it out to a ten point lead. Um, and if he can do that and have that kind of an impact, then it kind of negates. Well, it doesn't negate. It doesn't take away because he's not the shooter that Isaiah Livers yeah, is. Yeah, I was about to say he's not. But it, it's, that's very, very big for Michigan move, moving forward, and it kind of gives them a little bit of a window to get Isaiah Livers back. I think. At least in the defensive end especially. Like it, it, yep. gives him, it gives him another person that can yeah, guard. I'm sorry. Him. I didn't mean to cut you off. Finish your point on, on Michigan. No, but it's just more or less these guys uh, just taking advantage of these opportunities. When you have, when you have teams that are smaller – that are, that'll have smaller fours or play undersized and they're going to speed you up. It's important that you actually slow down when you get on offense and, and, and use the mismatches that you possibly can get, depending on who you have. Cause sometimes if you just got two bigs out there and one of them can't finish, then you're, you're at a, you're at a disadvantage. But a lot of these big 10, big 10 teams do have solid four men or and, and five men that can score the ball in the paint. Yep. So it will be beneficial for them to, Next time, I would say not, not all because all of them aren't there anymore. But next time, take advantage of those size, those size matchups, and take advantage of uh, their, their strength. I mean, I kind of feel like they went away with their strength, trying to keep up with these teams, as opposed to like exploiting the their advantages. Yep, it's hard. It's hard to do. Um, so there's one Big Ten team left in the tournament, and that is Michigan. Uh, and I think for my money, they probably have the most interesting matchup. In the uh, in the Sweet Sixteen, but I'm just going to roll through the matchups real quick. We have uh, in the West region, we have Gonzaga facing off with Creighton, and we have USC facing off with Oregon. Both of those are going to be really good games. I'm excited about Mm -hmm. them. Um, In the South, we have Baylor and Villanova. That should be really good. And we have Arkansas against Oral Roberts, which is the one matchup where I'm like, yeah, I think that that one might end up being a blowout. And we we can get to that if we want to. Uh, In the Midwest, we have Loyola taking on Oregon State which is kind of like whatever. And then we have Syracuse taking on Houston. And honestly, like, I think, I think we're going to see the orange in the elite eight, like Jim Beheim. it all opened up for a man. He might be able to get to a final four again. God bless Jim Beheim. Uh, and then in the East, we have the best matchup of the sweet 16 for my money is Michigan, Florida state. And on the other side of that bracket, we have uh, UCLA and Alabama. So that we got, we got some good matchups, man. It, it worked out pretty yeah. well. We got some really interesting matchups. Um, it, it wasn't it wasn't ideal. We didn't get Caden in, in Illinois, no. um, and we didn't get Luca Garza and Evan Mobley, but mm-hmm. it, it ended up being pretty good. It worked out pretty well. We have it. We have a couple Cinderellas. Um, we have that one. What the what the fuck is going on matchup? It, it's I think I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about the Sweet Sixteen. How do you feel about it? I I love it personally. <laughs> I really cannot wait to watch Gonzaga and Crane. I I hope it's going to be a good game. I just I like. Uh, Here's the beauty of a Creighton scenario to me. Obviously, they had their stuff going on until the end of the season, but I like to like back up even further. Marcus Zagorowski was not playing well early in the season. To like, I would even say toward the end of the season, he was not playing well. And yeah, and like I was worried. I was just sitting there thinking, like, oh my goodness, these guys aren't going to pick it up. And I think once they got 
to around the Villanova game where they like beat Villanova pretty good at home. They like picked it up and changed gears. And and you have your your stuff going on with them, but I feel like they will be a team that can give give certain teams a blueprint of possibly beating Gonzaga. Like I feel like they play at a fast pace. They play great on the perimeter. They have four or five guys that can that can put up 15 plus in a game. I, I just like I love I, I have a, I, I think Denzel Mahoney is like an amazing basketball player. I'm like a really big fan of his, and just I I, I expect that to be a good game, and I expect Leonard Hamilton versus Jawan Howard to be an amazing game too. <laughs> like I, so, I'm excited so, to watch that, that game. So on Creighton, um, on Creighton Gonzaga, like I do actually think that Creighton is built to give Gonzaga some problems because. Uh, when they can go to their four guard matchup or go, four guard lineup, um, like Mahoney can chase around Corey Kispert and can probably body Kispert at the other end of the floor. Uh, you got Damian Jefferson, you have Mitch Ballock, and you have Marcus Zagorowski, and those guys can match up with Creighton's four guards. They're not going to stop them, yeah. but they'll be able to put up points to the other end too. Um, the, the one place Bishop. that I think the, the, there's there's two things, two two reasons I have a concern. Um, I think that you really need Christian Bishop on the floor because of what he brings. But I just don't see him being able to stop Drew Timmy in the post. Like, I think Timmy will get whatever he wants against Christian Bishop. Um, and it's also just kind of feels like Gonzaga is, is or uh, I'm sorry, um, Creighton is, is Gonzaga light. Does that make sense? Like, it's just they, they do, they want to do the same things. They kind of play the same way. They kind of have stars at the same positions, but you just take every player on Gonzaga at the same position over the, the same player on Creighton. And at that point, it's just kind of like, well, who are you going to take? You're going to take the team that has all the better play. Like who would you take Jalen Suggs or Marcus Zagorowski? Uh, you're probably going to hate me. I like, I like Zagorowski right now for what he does for his team, you know, and what Suggs does for his team is important, but you also have to know that that team is running through Kispert and is running through Timmy. <laughs> Even though Suggs is the point guard, that team runs through Kisper and it runs through Timmy. Well, you just obliterated my point, but <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just saying it's just like I love I love Suggs. I think Suggs is going to be like a top ten pick. He's that's just what it is. But for what for what as far as that matchup does, like I feel like the onus is going to have to be on Suggs to guard Zagorowski. Like he's going to have to guard him. It's not going to be a, the, the team doesn't. When I look at Gonzaga, they're not going to just let Suggs do what it, whatever he wants for that for that game. I feel like Kisper's is going to have a little bit more leash. I feel like, obviously, Timmy's going to have a leash. Of course, Suggs is going to go out there and play, but it's not going to be able to take advantage of – Of I don't think he's going to be able to take advantage of Zagorowski like that. <laughs> right, I feel well, like Zagorowski is going to have the ball to do what he wants to do. He He's the leader. He's I, the look, scorer for their team. So I, I, don't I, know, love, I, love, I love Zagorowski. Don't, like, I'm, not, I'm not laughing because like I don't love Marcus Zagorowski. I had him as a second-team no. All-American last season. No, Sean Michael, Sean, Sean Michael is murdering me in here. He's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> the, the comments, the comments, are, like, I love they're, it. They're so funny, and they're like, I, I love it. Even, I nah, I love Sean. Sean's keeping it a buck with me. He's like, nah, I don't agree with you, bro. <laughs> yeah. and, and like, we had some, we had some real like Big Ten battles and Big Ten, uh, like uh, rivalries going on in the con. Like, I can't even keep up with them, man. Like, shout out to everybody in the comments right now. You guys are killing me. We're trying yeah. to do a show here. You gotta, I'm trying to stay. I love, serious, I love it. I love it. Um, I love it. So, like, look, okay. Most like, can you can see that most people would probably take Jalen Suggs over Marcus Zagorowski? Of course, can you, can you, can you concede that one? 
I like right. Zagorowski. So who would you take, Corey Kispert or Mitch Ballard? Come on, it's Corey Kispert. It's not even, it's not even close. <laughs> so, so who, who are, you, are you taking? Um, are you taking Andrew Nemhard or are you taking Damian Jefferson? Isn't Jeff? Isn't Jefferson more of the four? Well, they 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 swore out. It doesn't really yeah, matter. They, they right, I'm, I'm taking. I'm. I'll probably take uh, an Nemhard. Yeah, that one's that I was one thinking, I, think I was thinking more Denzel. I was thinking more Denzel Mahoney. Well, it's Denzel or, or Joel Ayayi. And I know you're probably gonna take Denzel. And I yeah, think taking Denzel. I think I might take Denzel there too. But like Joel has been he does all the little things for Gonzaga. Yeah. Like there's a lot of stuff that he does that doesn't pop in a box score. Um and I mean like that that, that one that one's that one's a close one. But I I'll I'll give you this. Four out of the five positions that we went through, most people would probably take a Gonzaga player over over uh, a Creighton player, and that's why the matchup ends up being problematic. So the other matchup that's really really exciting is uh is Michigan Florida State. I cannot wait for that. Um, I think it's going to be a rough matchup for Mike Smith, and that's the concern that I have here is that when we see <laughs> so the the comparison that I'll give is. Um, is Virginia when Kihei Clark plays because he's really the only other small guard, small league guard that I can think of off the top of my head. And Kihei was really effective this year when he was able to uh, kind of make a play, get into the paint and find somebody and create. Yeah. And he just could not, he couldn't function against the length and athleticism that Florida State has. And I'll be very curious to see how Mike Smith does against that. The other issue is that, I mean, we've talked about this on the stream before. What, what Florida State does is they literally switch every single exchange. Yeah. I, I honestly, and Dave, tell me if you think you tell me if you agree with this. I honestly feel like they don't play as much man as they're playing like a matchup match zone. Up. Yeah, they match up per, like they match up very well. Yeah, so it's 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 kind of like a combination of both. And I feel like a lot of what Michigan does offensively and a lot of where their points come from in the half court is is from set plays and from running their stuff and getting shots out of the stuff that they run as opposed to like the thing about LSU, the, the diametrically opposed there is that LSU just does everything one-on-one. Like they literally run – they don't run a fucking thing. They yes. just go out there and they're like, okay, it's Jamonte Smart's turn. Okay, it's Trenton Wofford's turn. Okay, Tam- Cam Thomas, you go uh, you go in the mid-post and shoot over whatever little guard is guarding against you. He's a bucket, by the way. I love that. <laughs> um, so, and, and that switching defense that Florida State can play is the kind of thing that can take you out of the stuff that you run. So I will be very, very interested to see what kind of tweaks. Uh, look, you give Juwan Howard four days to come up with something, he's going to come yeah. up with something good. So yeah. I'm really looking forward to see like what he comes up with and how he how he deals with that because it's similar to like I mean Maryland kind of runs the same stuff like there's a lot of teams that do it no one does it better than Leonard Hamilton of Florida State yeah I I wonder how Jawan will approach this like more or less at the end of the day like Michigan runs their offensive sets yeah they run a bunch of sets and it's a team they run they run a lot of team offense no one on one stuff but more or less it's to get the ball to a certain spot whether it be Dickinson or whoever. The, the, the place designed to get to, but because Florida State, so I feel like it won't really matter. I mean, they have length everywhere. As long as they get, I kind of feel like they take advantage of uh, Florida State not being extremely like big, as I feel Michigan will be with Hunter, Hunter, Hunter Dickinson. I don't, I don't really think it'll be that big a deal. I think Michigan will win. So, want to hear a crazy stat that that uh, Steve Berkowitz from the um, from USA Today. Uh, just just tweeted out. Talk to me. The, the top fourteen highest paid coaches in college basketball 
all, are all out of the NCAA tournament right now. They've all been knocked out. Only two of the top 20 highest paid coaches are still in the NCAA tournament. Can you guess who they are? Scott Drew. Nope. Scott Drew is not one of the top oh. 20 highest paid coaches in college basketball. The hell is he doing? I also, I also think the data <laughs> that he's using is public school data, and I don't know if Baylor or Villanova or Gonzaga are um, are going to be listed there. But, no, he is not one of the, the top 20 highest paid coaches, according to Steve Berkowitz. Neither is Jim Beheim. Neither is Mark Few. Neither is Jay Wright which is just crazy to think about. The two highest-paid coaches that are left in the tournament right now are Mick Cronin and Dana Altman. Mick Cronin just got that job, too. So, yeah, he would be one of the highest-paid. Yep. All right. So let's get into our uh, our first weekend superlatives. I think this will be fun. I'm really excited about doing this. Uh-huh. Um, all right. So let's start with uh, who was your MVP of the first weekend of the NCAA tournament? This was uh-huh. – this was I had tough. A hard time making this pick. Yeah, I, I had a tough time. I mean, uh, I could. I was trying to pick between. I mean, Eastman and uh, Banner were amazing. Hold on, I, I, know, it's easy. I like I like Sean Michael here. Like I, I like. Yeah, him. I love him. I, love him. <laughs> I saw that early. I started laughing when I saw it. I was like, that's hilarious. <laughs> it was All tough. Right. MVP. I'm sorry, I cut you off. It was tough. Uh, I was. It was obviously numerous games. Aismas was great. O'Banner was great. But I had to go with Buddy Buddy Beheim, mainly because Buddy Beheim beat San Diego State, who's ranked in the top 15, and they beat West Virginia, who's ranked in the top 13. And if I look at everyone else's route, not counting Oral Roberts, like Oral Roberts, they beat Ohio State, who's ranked two, and then Florida, who's like in probably like in the top, what, 35 or something like that. If I look at Buddy Beheim and him putting up 30 both games, uh, I probably, I probably had to go with him. He was, he was entertaining to watch. Man, he was good. Yeah, he did not miss. He like he literally did not miss. And, and he I, talked I, shit I, the entire time too. I, it was I, just I like, this, oh, it hurt. I, I said this to Goodman the other day. To me, it's so funny when Buddy Beheim talks shit because he looks like he's eleven years old. Yeah. <laughs> like it's weird. Nah, yeah. like, he only gets the beard patches right here because you can yeah. kind of see the five o'clock shadow coming in, and like he's got like the 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 little kid haircut still, like the the young kid haircut that looks like his. He just had his parents shave up on the sides, and, yeah, heart, and yeah. he comes out there and he just hits daggers and he's snarling at you and he's staring he's you down. under his breath. And his I'm name a, is Buddy. Oh, and I'm, I'm a bu- I'm a bucket. Jerry McNamara is on the sideline just talking shit. It's like a whole ordeal over there. I was saying as soon as I saw, I forgot Jerry McNamara. I was saying as, as soon as he made that, uh, I forgot who made the three in the corner. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, damn, this is a hell of a day. So like uh, by by principle, I I hate Syracuse, but like it's so hard to hate the Syracuse team because these yeah. dudes, these dudes yeah. are just so cocky. I love nah, it. So yeah, much. I love it. it. Was it was awesome? Uh, it was an awesome game. I enjoyed All that right. game. So I had I had four names written down. Um, well, actually, five names. Uh, but I like I didn't want to go with one of the guys from Oral Roberts because I yeah. feel like if I went with Max Asmus or um, or Kevin O'Banner, I would be doing one of the others a, a disservice because I think that why yeah. they are so good is because of because of how good each of those those two guys are in their role and the scheme that but Paul Mills puts them in. So I, I didn't want like that's kind of why I lean. Does that make sense? That's kind of why. Kind no, of why no I definitely. Because I, I couldn't really pick because I'm like, all right, well, we know how much well, attention awesome. Asmus is getting. And we see how well uh, O'Banner's playing. It's just like they're they're very they're very much complimenting one another, and they're doing a so, great job doing so. 
So I had I had I came down to four other guys. One of them was Buddy Beheim. So I'm going to just cross him off because you already went with him. Thank you. Uh, one of them was Justin Smith at Arkansas. Okay. Okay. Shout out to Arkansas. Like, I just thought like he was he was so good playing the small ball five role, and and the way and how good he was in that position is one the reason why they all of a sudden blew Colgate off the floor, and okay. two uh, the biggest reason why they were able to take down um, Texas Tech in the second round. Uh, the third guy I had written down was Johnny Juzang. Like he was, he was so good, dude. The first half against BYU, like th- there was a four minute stretch where I swear to God he hit 17 threes, and I don't know how many he actually made. And I think he finished with 27 for the game. But yeah. watching that, I was like, it felt like he hit 17 straight threes. Uh, <laughs> but he, he came up really big. But the guy I ended up going with is uh, is Jeremiah Robinson Earl. And I the, did the the re, oh go ahead I was gonna say I'll talk to you afterwards. Well, the, I mean, just the biggest reason why is because they kind of turned him into the creative outlet of their offense, right? Like we were all worried about what they're going to do for point guard play, and they kind of made Jeremiah Robinson Earl that guy. Like they just they get him the ball at the high post or at the mid post. Um, the, the, the their favorite place to get him the rock is like the the that like that 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 half circle between the foul line and the three point line at the top of the key. I don't know what you call that, but it's like 17 feet away. And yeah. just square somebody up, get him the ball, have him reverse pivot, square up a five, put four shooters around him and let him go. And he finished he averaged 20 points, eight and a half boards, and six assists in the uh in the two games this weekend. I know it was North Texas and I know it was exactly winter. that's the only reason I didn't put him up there because I was I I'm not gonna lie, even though they're without Colin Gillespie, I still thought that if this was a regular season and they didn't have Colin Gillespie for whatever reason, I still think Villanova beats Winthrop, but I still think Villanova beats Winter Texas. Yeah. Like, I just – I can't – I couldn't even look past it. Yep. Um, the other guys that I did have on my list uh, were the, the the Mobleys. But, again, like, I was making this as the game was playing. So, nice. um, it was it was kind of like I had to – we had to prepare for this before that, that game started. So, the Mobleys are absolutely on that list, and I will definitely be talking about them um, later on. Right. <laughs> you see uh, <laughs> the comments there. So yeah. I got to say this, love you guys, but whatever Rob tweets, you can tell which team he's, he bet on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. Wilson. It's true. Shout out to Ash. Shout out to Ash. Talking, yeah, it's talking cash. It's here. so hard, man, because I get so, <laughs> I get so you got You love this game, man. You get you get emotionally wrapped into it, just like yeah, I trust too much, me. Too much, too much. All right, so um, next up we have uh, what was the biggest surprise for you in the first round of the tournament? Uh, there were so many. Um, but I had to pick Illinois losing to Loyola University in Chicago just off of the the fact that we expected Illinois to do so much more in the tournament. And Loyola just – they scattered them and they picked them apart from the beginning of the game to the end. Like it, was, it was like the biggest shock to me. I was just like – I was – I had nothing to say. Kind of like when 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 uh, Oral Roberts beat Ohio State, and they were like, you know what, thirteen million uh, out of fourteen million brackets are busted. Perfect brackets are busted. I was just like, wow, that's crazy. But I don't. I wasn't worried too much about Oral Roberts. I'm like, oh, maybe they'll lose the next round. Granted, they didn't. But when Illinois lost, like I almost felt like like my heart was broken. I was like, I granted, forget my bracket. I was like expecting these guys to do like to be there in the final four or at least the, the elite eight yeah. and for Kofi and I not to be there. It, I tip my hat off to, uh, to Loyola. They did a great job. So that was probably the biggest surprise that I had. 
So the the biggest surprise for me, um, I kind of looked at this like the bit that we have a biggest disappointment one next. So what what was the what surprised you the most in a bad way, and what surprised you the most in in, in a good way? If that makes mm, sense, was, yeah, it was the Pac twelve. It, it was the Pac, It was everything about the Pac twelve. Um, they didn't just come out here. Like here's the thing: it'd be one thing if they kind of like luck boxed their way into into having four teams in the Sweet Sixteen, into having a quarter of the Sweet Sixteen, but they didn't. They did, they did, this this is not a fluke. USC mm-hmm. kicked the shit out of Kansas. Oregon beat the hell out of Iowa, right? Yeah, um, they did. They did. Like Oregon State, those were comprehensive <laughs> wins over Texas or over Tennessee and over yeah. Oklahoma State. Like that, that, that wasn't some uh, – yeah, someone got in foul trouble. Some other dude hit seven threes that was unexpected. And yeah. they got a beater that bounced off the front of the rim and hit the top of the backboard and win it. Like, no. They beat them by double digits. Like neither of those games are really all that close. Yeah, they weren't close. It was exciting down the stretch. Is because Oklahoma State started forcing some turnovers and actually gave Cade Cunningham the ball. Mm. That's the only reason why. And then you say like UCLA's is a little bit different, like because of the reasons I mentioned. But like still, they looked really, really, really good. So yeah, for me, the Pac-12 was the biggest surprise. All right, what was the biggest disappointment? You already know. I had Texas going to like the least <laughs> second the second day. Like, geez, we're like I at the end of the day, like where Texas was in in the uh in the bracket, I I personally thought that they would they would give Alabama a struggle. Like I'm over here like looking past looking past you. I'm looking past all these teams and I'm like, oh, they'll give Alabama a struggle with their length and this and these guys go and they have a nail biter with Abilene Christian and and then and then they end up losing it. I was just like, yeah, this like that was the the cherry on top for what I expected, like what I thought the tournament was going to be and what it has been. Like it it was it was great. Like, think about this, like they fouled. Granted, it was a stupid foul. Coleman fouls a fifty percent free throw shooter. Who knocks both of them in at the very end of the game in the NCAA tournament? It's just like, geez, man. I I expected Texas to make the next game at least. So yeah. I was I was kind of disappointed in how they played. I was disappointed in like just everything about the game. I thought Shaka Smart could have did a little bit better with uh I do not I do not understand why he did not start pushing the tempo. I, I, did, I couldn't see we, it. We, yeah, we can't function against their half-court defense because our guards cannot handle this kind of ball pressure. So what are we gonna do? We're gonna walk it up and play even slower and give slower. Them time to find a way to make exactly. like all, all season, all season, court uh Courtney Ramey and uh Coleman have been pushing the ball in transition and they've been finding uh guys to shoot and they've been and then obviously Jericho Sims and these guys that run the floor, rebound, and they do what they do. And they did none of that. Like it was like it was some of the worst basketball I've seen Texas play all bad. season. And surprise, they lost. So yeah, it was really bad. Um, for me, the biggest disappointment overall was just the Big Ten. Yeah. As a whole. Like I thought, I really thought that this was gonna be like a breakout uh week for a guy like a Jaden Ivey. Or someone like the Trevion Williams. I really thought that Illinois was going to come in here and just blow everybody's doors off. Um, I really wanted to see Luca Garza make a run. Like it, the, the the one that I think that's the thing that sucks the most about this is like we're, we're never going to see Io play again in college. Like we're never going to see Luca Garza play again in college. We're, like we, it, it feels like 
we kind of got cheated out of seeing those guys play in the biggest moments because they got knocked out early in the tournament. So right. um, themselves. It's tough. Yeah. For me, like for me, that like that's less of a disappointment of like, oh, I'm so disappointed in you, and more like, oh man, it fucking sucks that we're not gonna see those teams get a Yeah, chance. yeah. That's more or less than so, it was for me too. Um, all right, what was the uh, the best game that you saw this weekend? I honestly I couldn't tell you the best game. I one of my favorite games was uh Rutgers versus Houston. I enjoyed yeah. Rutgers and Houston's game. Um I didn't get the scoring uh the uh, scoring pro- productivity I thought I would get out of uh, out of um, Ron Harper uh, Jr., but the game was really good, and it was awesome to see. I mean, it wasn't awesome. How can I? But it was weird. It was like I was happy to see Jarrell uh, get out there. Like he subbed into the game and limped them to a victory. Basically, granted, he wasn't like you know the guy I was putting up numbers and everything like that. But he his production and, and and he helped them get to a victory. It was it was fun to watch that game. I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. I'm, I'm loving the. Oh, bro! I'm telling you, I'm, I'm living in his captions. The, the cost is great right Poor now. Illinois. I know. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Sean Michael <laughs> holding nothing back. No, we need that. We need to bring Sean Michael back here every time. Like he's yeah. he's awesome. I think we're ramping him up though. He's gonna start getting crazy. I, I guarantee yeah. it. He's about, to, he's about to get lit. He might he might be having a beers and ball live stream with us. Exactly. Himself, <laughs> <laughs> his own beers and ball live stream. Um, all right. So I thought that the the best game. I, I'm gonna talk about that next. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna waste it on this. But I thought that the most intense game, the one that I was most like riveted on was uh was texas and abilene christian like that was the most i i had nothing on that game i didn't bet on that game um i had texas in the final four but like fuck my bracket it's already destroyed like it doesn't matter and so i literally had nothing like no investment whatsoever like i like shaka he's great i like joe golden too like he's great so it's it, there, there's no emotional investment for me in that game and I was riveted, dude. Like it was one of those things where I was like, I was like biting my nails. I'm like re- leaning forward in my chair, and I was like, oh, and you like, you know how when games get really intense, like you can feel it beating in your heart, like you no, can just feel me. the tightness yeah. in your chest. It was like that, and I, I had nothing on the game. It was so intense, and it felt like every possession and every bucket mattered so much. And uh, I think to me, that right there is the beauty of the NCAA tournament because that basketball was god awful. The team that won shot 29% from the floor. Yeah. <laughs> made three threes, right? Yeah. 29% from the floor and made three threes and forced 23 turnovers. Like, it was horrible. It was horrid. Their last four field goals were like runners that were just like, oh, I'm going to throw this up, that would bank in. It was horrible basketball, and nice. I could not take my eyes off of it. I was so locked in and so stressed out. And, yeah, so for me, that was the – I don't know if I would call it the best game, but that was that was what I was just kind of like, okay, yeah, March is fucking here, bro. Um, all right. What was the most memorable moment for you? Memorable moment? I mean, Oral Roberts just ruining everyone's bracket. I mean, they just – like the first day. <laughs> I was just – I remember – like I sat there and was like, you know what, Ohio State is going to be just fine in this tournament. Uh, I can see them getting – to uh, Sweet 16 or Elite Eight, and just because, you know, E.J. Liddell is, uh, is a really good player, bam, smacks me right in my damn mouth first game. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to make comments on Um All right, so. Uh, I wish Jeff was here. <laughs> yeah. So, um, 
for me, for me, the most memorable <laughs> moment um, uh, was. Uh, it's weird. Like the thing that'll stick to me about the most, it was the Oral Roberts and Ohio State game uh, for sure. But the thing that will stick with me the most was Dwayne Washington down the stretch. Um, he, he had like, he shot them out of that game, man. And, yeah. We talked uh, about the all season though, bro. Like, yeah. Like he, can, <laughs> he, he's, he's the reason why they almost beat Illinois in the big 10 title game. And he's the reason why they could not get a good possession down the stretch against Oral Roberts in, in the first round of the tournament. And it was just the image of him after missing that shot that like he had a wide open look from the top. Like you can literally not ask for a better look to tie the game when you're down by three than what Dwayne Washington took at the end of the game. And like, he bricked it pretty bad. Like it wasn't really all that close. Like when you're, when you're missing off to the right like that, you know, you did not like, you didn't get a good shot off. You didn't get a good release. He wasn't shooting that confidently. So it, the, the image that I'll always remember is like those ones more than anything else, especially in that moment. So I just, I felt so bad for a man. Like, look, I, I, I don't know if I've told the story before, but when I was a junior, junior in high school, um, there was a team in Connecticut called Hill house high, which is like, that's, that's the juggernaut. Like that's the best basketball program in Connecticut, especially in Southern Connecticut. Uh, that like they send, they got D one dudes every year. They got um, players going to like the a 10, like some high major leagues every once in a while. Um, and when I was there, they had a kid named, uh, Robert McIver. Uh, everyone called him fluff. He started at Providence and he transferred to, to Houston and he ended up averaging like 25 a game as a senior at Houston, just a stud, like absolute bucket. And when they, when we played at their place, they beat us on a buzzer beater. Right. And then they came back and they played at our place. And like, I mean, look, this was the best that we had played all season long. I think the, the score was 75, 74. They were up. There was like six seconds left, and some dude on my team drove and kicked it out to me, and I got a wide-open look from three. And, like, I let that thing go, and I start backing up because I thought it was good. Like, it, it felt – you know when you shoot it and it feels good? Like, yeah, I, I was I doing like, <laughs> backwards thing with my hand up, and, like, the shit hit the back of the rim and then hit the front of the rim and then popped up in the air and fell out. And I was I, like, I was like, you got to be fucking – how did that not go in? And I still think – like, that was a meaningless high school game 20 years ago. And I still think about that like every once in a while. I hate and to say it happened to such a good guy. Missed the missed like the, the, the same shot on national television to lose as a two seed to a 15 seed. Like that's that one's gonna stick with him for a long, long time. And no, like so that's when I was just kind of like, man, seeing that look on his face, that I look that I knew that one hurt. So yeah, not uh, to mention the stuff after the games. Yeah, uh Justin just brought that up, Justin Haley. Like with EJ and these guys are probably getting death threats and stuff like that. I, I, I tweeted, I was just like, that's ridiculous, bro. Yeah, I'm like, whatever. I, fans are going to do that. And I, my yeah. guess is Girl, those man. weren't actually, that those probably weren't Ohio State fans. My guess yeah. is those were idiots that, that bent on Ohio State and lost and or had Ohio lost. State in bracket and lost like that. No, actual, kids, man. No, <laughs> no, no actual fan of a team would send something like that to a player. Like if you're an exactly. actual fan of a team, like you would be heartbroken for the players because you're not a the only way you could be a fan of a team is if you have some kind of emotional investment in that team exactly. and in those players. And yeah. if like you actually have an emotional investment in those players, you're not going to sit here and just like cuss them out and threaten to kill them because of a loss. Yeah. That was exactly. definitely a loss on the game or something. Um, all right. So uh next up we have the wish the I wish you were still here award goes to um for me, it's not anyone in the tournament. I see all my Michigan guys in here chirping about Michigan. 
I wish Isaiah Livers was here because they got they got past um, they got past Texas Southern and they got past LSU and they're getting to get ready to play a really good uh, FSU team who has a lot of guys around the same size who are and this is a switching team and they're, they're going to need all the guns they can have and I, I hope I don't know I don't know too much about Isaiah Livers' uh, injury but uh, I know they were talking uh, about maybe this or maybe I don't know but I hope that Isaiah Livers could come back because if he does, that puts Michigan at full strength and gives them an opportunity to even go, go even further in the tournament. And I kind of feel like if anybody – there's two teams left in the country that haven't played Gonzaga that could beat them, Michigan and, and Baylor are those teams. So in this tournament, I don't really see – like I hope Creighton can put up a good fight, but I don't think Creighton – like even then, like it, it's still Gonzaga. And I feel like Michigan at full strength or Baylor at full strength would be good. So I, I wish Isaiah Livers was here because this would make a and make it a a, be, a a full tournament. I mean, everyone else had their fair shot at it almost in a sense. Yeah, um, I, I would like to see Isaiah Livers back too. That that would be very very good. Not going to happen apparently. All the Michigan, all the yeah, all the Michigan fans is here. If anyone has heard anything. Um, let us know, but the the intel that I've gotten has like it's all been very, very, very limited. Um, oh God! <laughs> oh God! Yeah. <laughs> here, here we go. Here we yeah. go. Here we go. What's up, boys? Oh man, you you just missed one of the greatest uh, comments about some clothing that you and Thad Mata were wearing a little bit oh, ago. Yeah, these, these guys, uh, these guys are laying into you guys. <laughs> I look pretty disheveled. Yeah, I didn't listen. I, I learned. I don't really give a shit what I'm wearing these days. It does not matter to me anymore. I like, love it. I'm All right, Goodman. A, Goodman, while you're here, this is actually perfect timing because I just want to let you know for the month of March, if you buy anything from Manscaped.com with the promo code Field. You will not only get a 20% off the purchase price and free shipping, but a portion of the proceeds will be donated to the Testicular Cancer Society. Uh, with the reemergence of March basketball, Manscaped wants to remind men to take care of your balls. Check yourself for the most common form of cancer in men ages 18 to 34, testicular cancer. And like on a serious note, this actually touched people in our business recently. Uh, Kyle Boone, who works with CBS Sports, was diagnosed with testicular cancer. Um, and I mentioned this uh, last week, but Kyle, we're, we're, uh, we're pulling for you, buddy. You can beat this. So make sure you guys go and get yourself tested. Uh, ladies, if you are listening to this, make sure your 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 men, the men in your life, uh, get test or get get check their balls, take care of their balls, make sure they check everything. So um, the Manscaped We Save Balls initiative, the goal is to raise awareness for testicular cancer while also ensuring that you keep things clean and trim. So go to Manscaped. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Go to Manscaped. I'm having a lot a hard time with this. Go to Manscaped.com and buy the Lawnmower 3.0 or the Perfect Package 3.0, the Crop Mops or whatever it is you need, and be sure to be sure to use the code Field F I E L D to get free shipping, 20% off, and send some money to the Testicular Cancer Society. Your balls, Jeffrey, as always, will thank you. Does he always I struggle will. like this? Day? Nah, nah. I think you put a little bit more pressure, and not to mention these comments this hey, these evening yeah. this evening have been insane. Yeah, so there's a lot of pressure. Also, it's the beers and ball live. Beers so, and ball, you know, so yeah. Oh, I don't know if I have it. Did I buy it? Yeah, I, 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 that's what I say. Doster right. is my, my my favorite. Yep. There, there you go. go. There you go. There you go. All right, we're doing some we're doing superlatives. 
for the rest of this stream. So uh, you can you can jump in, uh, but you're going to have to kind of do it on the fly. Day and I prepared for this, so we got a list. Um, okay. the one, what we're on right now is the I Wish You Were Still Here award. So uh, Day said Isaiah Livers. Mine is Cade Cunningham. What do you got? Yeah, I would say Cade. Uh, trying to think if there's anybody else that I would say I wish you were here. Um, maybe Io. I'll go Io. You know, I, I miss Io already. I think he handles himself with complete class um, after losing, you know, posting a video and thanking the Illinois fans. And, you know, listen, he wasn't supposed to be back this year. Like, I remember sitting with Brad Underwood in Colorado Springs a year and a half ago before last season and him saying, and I don't know if he'll ever admit this, but him saying, we are going to do something different. We're going to figure out who Io's agent is now. So he doesn't have to worry about this shit during the season. And his family doesn't have to worry. They already know who their agent's going to be. And he's going to be gone after this year. We know it. Now, he didn't. He didn't play well enough to leave. But I thought it was it was kind of interesting way to handle it. And I actually like it for, for kids in the future because that's not something you want to worry about as a parent or a kid during the season. You want to be, you want to be laser focused. So I, I thought it was interesting. And, again, it didn't, it didn't matter. Um, but <laughs> I was going to be gone. I was going to be gone a year ago, and now he is gone. I mean, listen, the, the, the crazy thing, Day, what do you – if you're drafting, and I know it's hard with this year's draft, but where are you taking Iowa in the draft? What range? What range do you think he goes in? He's a, he should go in the teens. You know, you'd be surprised. Of the teens. The NBA guys, you'd be, you'd be surprised. A lot of them – here's a big question they ask me. What does he do great? And that's interesting. Like, I mean, watching these games, he's had so much trouble uh, if he doesn't have the ball in his right hand to the point where when he came back from injury, they had to start another point guard side by side with him. So it's if he's not, you know, making people better in the half court right. and jump shooting, obviously, is, like as, is not as consistent. He's great in transition, which right. is his plus. Totally. But, I mean, if I look at him, I don't see De'Aaron Fox great in transition. Oh, hell. Like, so, and that's what I'm saying. So it's just like if he doesn't do anything absolutely so outstanding that I could kind of see where they come from in that sense. I mean, I think because of how, like, the, the actual draft and the guys that are there, he has a good chance of getting drafted still somewhat, like, in the teens. I would say, like, maybe, even, like, 15 and back. But – Still, like, I still wonder what he does. In I think the he goes in the 20s. Like, he's good enough. He's yeah. good I enough. Mean, I think you take him in the 20s. Um, I, I think you – at least I would take the risk on the fact that his catch-and-shoot ability will, will be enough that he can play off the ball because I think he has the size to play the two in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you can play him in, like, a uh, Lonzo Ball-esque, Tyrese Halliburton-esque role where he's a secondary playmaker in an offense and put him alongside someone that is a really good playmaker, and just kind of say, okay, we're going to use you um, in secondary actions. We're going to use you as a floor spacer. We're going to use you to if, if things get bogged down. I think that's when he becomes really effective. But to me, like he's very much a role player at best. And the swing skill is going to be like, what is what is his catch and shoot ability? If he's a guy that can shoot thirty six percent from three of catch and shoot jumpers, then all of a sudden he becomes a very interesting role player at the next level. If he's not, then uh, I mean, that's a different conversation. But given his work ethic, 
I would he's he's the kind of guy that I, I would probably just want to bet on, like the human being. I would yeah. assume that makes sense. Yeah. I'll be yeah, right back. I'm pressing down, guys. I'm curious. I'm curious though, like, do you see him as a like a Halliburton type? I don't see that because I feel like Halliburton did a lot. Yeah, <laughs> like, he did a lot. <laughs> yeah. look, look, Tyrese is a great oh, I, I was a big fan of him. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, he is a great passer. Um, and I think Io is good, not great as a passer. Tyrese is also a great shooter. I think Io is good, not great as a shooter. Yeah. I think Tyrese is one of the best team defenders that you're going to find. Like, he's one of these dudes that's got like a seven foot wingspan and is never in the wrong spot. Like, he always makes the right rotation. He always makes the right read. He's always in the right position um, to tag a roller or to be in help side or be in the charge. Like, all of that stuff. He's always in the right spot. And I don't think Iowa's any of those things. But also, I would have taken Tyrese Halliburton in the top six of last year's draft. We're taking Iowa in, like, 25th. Yeah, All of that stuff is baked into the cost of what it would take to draft him. All right, Jeff, here's one for you. Uh, what player got themselves paid this weekend? What player got himself paid this weekend? Yeah. How about this? Dave, why don't you go first while, uh, while Jeff yeah. thinks about it? Yeah, you got to give me um, – I picked Kevin O'Banner. Bro, like, Ooh. you're playing on a team – you're playing on a team with the – like, the leading scorer in the country. He averages, like, 19 and, like, 8 or something like that. And, obviously, they're going to need his scoring. And what does he do? He comes out and gets freaking 30 and 11 and against Ohio State and then 28 and 11 against Florida. Like – if it may not be NBA, it, it can be anywhere. I mean, I feel like either way, he set himself up to get himself paid because <laughs> he played against a freaking what a top ten team in the country and kicked their ass. So like he he's got film he's got film to run with. <laughs> so so you stole mine. Um, <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> I, had, I, had, I had three other guys listed. See, you um, always have like three guys in the cut. I, that's if you went first. Because what I'll do is I'll go through it. I'll just, I'll just, <laughs> I'm just reading off my notes, so I'll, like I'll go through all of them just so I have like everything written down. Uh, the first one I wrote down was um, was Chris Duarte, um, I, mm-hmm. but also like I'm I'm obscenely high. Don't use them all. You're gonna leave nothing for me. Don't don't start reading out five names. No, yeah. I'm not. I don't, I don't think you'll have. I don't think you'll have these guys. Um, actually, I'm not gonna say the second one because it's a perfect one for you. I think you'll, you'll take it. The last one that I'll have is uh, Raekwon Gray at Florida State. Like I'm, I, I really think that this dude should be uh, somewhere in like that second round range. I don't know if he'll go this year. And honestly, I think that he's probably better off coming back and uh, losing a little bit of weight. Like I think he's a little bit a little bit heavy. Um, but I mean, he does everything well. Uh, he can pass the ball. He can play off the bounce. He can shoot it a little bit. Um, he's got the size. You can play him. He can guard fours because he's strong enough. Uh, I, I really, really like that dude. And someone said um, Jason Preston. I actually thought terrible that, today. No, no, he hurt himself today. I was yeah, there. I was going to say like I thought it was uh, the fact that he could not Two games personally. Yeah, he yeah, could not get I, around. I tell you. Talking to NBA guys that were there today and seeing him in person, and I love him and I want to love him. Like his story yeah. is amazing. He's a great kid, but he's not a great athlete, and he doesn't shoot it well. And that's, that's a bad combo. You better be one or the other. He, I think he actually does shoot it pretty well. Um, I don't think he shoots it well off the dribble. He's off the catch, and to yeah. me, the fact that he can play off the ball a little bit is what makes him intriguing because I don't think he's a full time point. But the fact that he he also couldn't get around like 
Kihei Clark or Virginia's athletes or Creighton's athletes like that. That that's well, Mahoney that's did a good job posting up. Mahoney did Denzel, a great job. Denzel Mahoney he's, he's also a monster too. Like that dude is a he's a beast. He's yeah, a yeah. great defender. He he's the guy that took away James Booknight in the Big East. Like he is very very good. Love Denzel uh, Mahoney. All right, <laughs> good news. This one this one should be very easy for you. Actually, I'm sorry, you didn't you didn't do the player that got paid. What player? Yeah. Got paid? The guy who did this. Am I, going, am I going with Jim Beheim's kid? I mean, you got to go with Bobby <laughs> Beheim here, don't you? Like, yeah, he's like, my MVP at a weekend. Yeah, he, I mean, listen, he's got size, and he can shoot the shit out of the ball. Okay? Yeah. So, like, if you have that and you're not a disaster defensively, and even if you are, even so, if you are a disaster, you might be a disaster defensively. <laughs> and your name's Beheim. He's in his so own, yeah. Somebody's going to throw you a bone – and to me, it's going to have to be the right team, obviously. But but a guy's like that, and like this kid is like the best kid in the world. Um, he, he really is. So uh, yeah, he will not be a lottery pick, but but he can he can make. <laughs> I, I think he's going to have a chance to make a team just because again, yeah, he shoots get out of it, and and he's so even keel. Like Shooting makes up for a lot of warts. Makes up for a lot of warts. All right, Goodman. This one is right up your alley. Which yeah. coach? Got paid this weekend. I mean, Porter, Porter, like who else? Porter Moses probably. I, I, got, like, I got another one. I got another one. Porter's the yeah. obvious one. I got another one. Yeah, I mean, I think Porter probably gets Marquette. I, I really do. I think he'll be the next coach at Marquette. I, I don't have it like inside info yet because they're still going through it, but he's heavy in there right now. And, and uh, I, I think he's the guy. He's certainly the guy if I'm at Marquette and, and I'm, and I'm hiring, I'm hiring Porter Moser. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Day, who do you have? All right. This guy's not going to leave anytime soon, but when it's time to get read up, he'll get paid, I think. Uh, I'm going with uh, Coach Wayne Tinkle. I mean, he's been there for like, wow. what, six six years? And he, he's had okay seasons, but this season they win the Pac-12 tournament for the first time in school history. He beats UCLA. He beats the rival Oregon, and he beats Colorado to win the you know Pac-12. And then he gets to the Sweet 16 against two teams that are like top 20 teams with Tennessee and OK State. Like he's beating some pretty solid teams to get where he's at right now in the tournament. So I feel like, granted, he's what he's, I don't know where he's at in this contract, but I feel like he'll be there for a little bit longer because of this run that he's had toward the end of this year. Yeah, he, I mean, he definitely got himself an extension. Yeah, for sure. 100%. And that was the guy that I was going to have listed. And uh, Sean just, I mean, he's saying, Jawan Howard got himself paid with this tournament. No, Jawan Howard got himself paid with this season. 20 years ago. <laughs> he got paid 20 years well, yeah. ago. Well, one, his bank account is nine figures. He's, like, he's yeah. been getting paid. So. And, and, oh. and it doesn't matter. Like, here's the thing with Jawan Howard. Okay, so he could probably go to the NBA next year if he wants to. I, I'm serious. Like, an NBA team will probably offer him a job after this cycle. But one son is there. Another son is coming. He's not going anywhere. Uh, it'll be there for him. It'll probably be there for him in five or six years. But you coach your kids. Like, that's special. That's something that uh, you'll never have another opportunity to do. I think there'll be the opportunity to coach in the NBA again for Juwan Howard once once his kids are out of there. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. Um, and, yeah, like I said, he, he got himself paid for this season, <laughs> like not just this tournament, for this season. All right, so, Goodman, the next thing that we have and the way that we're going to um, gonna end this <laughs> is the, uh, the All Legends of March team. 
which is basically the five players or teams or coaches or fans or things from games. Like we each picked five, right? And it's things that you are going to remember from this first weekend of the tournament for a long time. And um, I'm going to let day start. I'm going to let you have the first one. Hmm. All right. Um, Ben Vanderplass's shoe just exploding on him. <laughs> I didn't even <laughs> it see that. All time funniest shit I've ever seen. I didn't like, see it. While he's playing, his shoe just literally. Man, up. <laughs> oh my God. Here, Here we go. go. Good morning. You, you all it. thought you were going to bad things. What kind of game? <laughs> all right, Fana, Fana, real quick. What we're doing here is. Um, we're ending this with our all Legends of March teams. So we're all picking five players, teams, coaches, fans, moments, things that we're going to remember from this first weekend of the tournament for a while. So we'll, we'll go around. We'll make you be last on this circle. So think about it a little bit and prepare. Um, so so you – Plastic shoe exploding. Yeah, they, they started with Vander Plastic shoe blowing up. Which is what I've ever seen. And then he had to play with two different color shoes, one gray and black. I could not stop laughing during the game. The best then part he got, he got kicked in the face. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, the best part of it is like they went to TV timeout and like he very clearly had time to change the shoe, but he was like, he's like, nah, I like it different colors. And yeah. I guarantee he's tried to play it off that like he just he didn't want to, he didn't have time, he couldn't do it or whatever. No, he just liked it. He was wearing two shoes that were different colors. Right. That was so funny, man. If That's they won. Hilarious. If they won, that would have been great. All right, so hey, the first one I have written down is, uh, is Rod Farva. Who? You guys know who Rod Farva, Farva is? Farva, the guy, yeah. the guy from Super Troopers. Super Troopers. Um, because no, Cam Trutwig looks exactly like Rod Farva, and I could not stop laughing the whole game. That was one of, like, I swear one of, the whole time I'm watching that, I'm just thinking in my head, like, license and registration, chicken fucker. Yo, bro, I have not seen Super Troopers in years. Oh, Classic. Man. Top five favorite movie of mine of all time. So, yeah, Rod, Rod Farva was number one on my list because I could not stop laughing at that dude. Oh, it was so good. Cam Crutwig, shout out to him, man. What a what legend. Else, yeah. What, what a hero. Um, Jeff, you go. You're next. I mean, for me, you know, it, it's it's Abilene Christian's win, uh, being there and, and watching that and getting a chance to talk to uh, Anthony Pleasant um, in the stands. You know, former Patriots, Super Bowl winner, um, you know, we can't talk to the players or coaches. Although Joe Golden came damn close to me. After that win, he literally came up to me and was ready to, like, hug me, I think. And I'm like, Joe, no, 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 no. Like, I don't need you to get kicked out of the bubble here. We want you to be able to play your second-round game. But, yeah, it, it was just watching that game, which I thought was, like, one of the greatest upsets I've ever seen, not because of the number but because of the talent, because of how the two teams looked on the court. It was like the ultimate David Goliath, right? Abilene had the, these tiny guards, and even up front, like they, they had their foreman was like, looked like Fana. I mean, honestly, the foreman looked like Fana, and he's going up against like Ty Jones and, and Jericho Sims, and somehow the, dudes, the dude's like holding his own. So uh, for me, it's Abilene Christian. Um. All right, Fana, what do you have? So I have Wayne Tinkle and Ori State making the Sweet 16, but particularly this storyline. Wayne Tinkle's post-game interview. <laughs> <laughs> this was really cool. I don't know if you guys saw this, but no. 
Wayne Tinkle grew up walking the Loyola Chicago halls because his father was the dean of students at Loyola Chicago. And Wayne said to the teacher, the Turner crew, he goes, I feel like my dad is telling me something from upstairs right now because I'm 16 and I'm facing this school that I grew up walking the halls. And, you know, I know in the world, Sister Jean is an amazing thing. But, like, the the plot here that should, like, the fact that Wayne Tinkle has gone from dead last in the Conference of Champions, which has lit up this tournament, and now is going to face the school that he grew up walking the hallways of. In what world does Oregon State ever face like all of Chicago? In this world, it happened. That was awesome. Yeah. Uh, Dave, what do you got next? That was a good one, Fanda. That was a good one. Dave, what do you got next? I was going to bring up Sister Jean until one of you guys just said it, so I I just lost all appeal. Um, I'm going (laughs) with Colorado's, like, 10-second brain fart that they got today where they they inbounded the basketball, passed it to each other under the basket three times, and then slowly walked the ball to almost half court before they got a 10-second call. And then they were down 10 at the time, or 12, and then they, they had a chance to come back in the game, and then they gave up a three, and then they're down 15. It was like I was completely lost at what the hell Colorado was doing. <laughs> Dave, can I tell you how happy I am we brought you on this podcast now? Uh, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm happy I mean, to be yeah, here. No, you guys I mean, gave me my first job, so I'm pretty happy. I was doing nothing. I was doing nothing. So no, his first, job, his first job, period. Period. This this job, this period. Period. Yeah. Um, right. So um, my next one, we, yeah. uh, we, we, you mentioned Abilene Christian. Um, the, the thing I'm going to remember from that upset more than anything else is the walk-on that did the horns down yeah. straight into the camera. That dude was planning that ever since he saw that they drew Texas. You know that dude was planning it because as soon as the buzzer went off, he ran straight to the camera and just did horns down nonstop. It was the only Everybody time. plans that when they play Texas. Oh, they just, as soon so as you draw Texas, that's like one of the most favorable things to do. Oh, it was so funny. Like, uh, yeah, that, kid, <laughs> that, that, that he was trying to do that the whole time. Good for yeah. him, man. Good for him. Jeff, what do you got next? Um, I'm going to use some, like, personal – deals because you guys are going to use I don't want to take some of the ones that you guys have watched but I'll give you a story um Georgetown game you know we have a media section at Hinkle and uh and I, I had to take a leak so I, I walked to the bathroom you got to watch walk past the Georgetown section all of a sudden some dude starts yelling at me turns around this old guy Goodman you suck you suck you suck you suck like going after me and I'm like I just stand there and take it. Like, I'm, I'm smiling, but I got a mask on. Like, I wish you could see my smile because I'm like, bring it on, motherfucker. Like, <laughs> I don't care. And uh, you got GT3 fired. You suck. You suck. You suck. And I just stood there for a while. And then Georgetown lost by 100. So, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't me. After Georgetown, terrible. All right, Fanta, what do you got? Oh, I've got the Mus bus taking oh. the bus onto a table at Hinkle Fieldhouse. I was there. If you ask me right now, what is the most intense game? And I think, Jeff, you would be able to reflect in person. Yeah. You could feel it through the TV. Hinkle's been the best venue. Yeah. And Arkansas and Texas Tech play at this level that you can't believe they're sustaining the level throughout the game. You combine that with Kevin Harlan calling the game, and it feels like every dribble is massive. 
that was my favorite game of the weekend in terms of just how much it seemed like it mattered. And it was a round of 32 game. No, you're right. You're right. That was insane. And Muss's celebrations, they're, they're completely over the top. Yes. Completely over the top. Ridiculous. Borderline ridiculous. If, if they go to the Final Four, like he's going to take his shirt off. He's gonna, it's going to be disgusting. They, he 100% plans all of those things. Oh, all of it. All of it. He's ready for it. He, he, he probably honestly like goes through it beforehand. Like they probably, it's probably like theater. Can I, can I apply right now? Can I'm going to put the suggestion in right now. Hey, big 12 and sec. Can you please set us up for an Arkansas, Texas tech rematch next year yeah, in the no C challenge? Let's make that happen because I think beard and muscleman, that is the best non-conference coaching round. Uh, Beard, you're, wait, one wait, celebrating, God. and the other one. Did you? Did you jumping at the rest there? The <laughs> yeah, Beard waiting. Did you see Beard waiting? Did they show that on TV at all? While Musselman is is doing his whole shtick, Beard is literally standing there waiting for like three minutes for him to finish. You could tell like how frustrated he was, but he's like, "I'm not leaving until Musselman comes up, and and I can at least." Do what I got to do and shake his hand or dab yeah. him, whatever he did. Yeah. The uh, did you see Muscleman afterwards on TV? So Todd Furman, um, I yeah. think that's how you pronounce his name. He was the yeah. he's the gambling guy for CBS Sports. Right. Said said on the pregame show, he was like, "This is going to be like the biggest coach coaching mismatch in NCAA tournament history." And really? Musk, Musk got on like live on CBS afterwards. Like, yeah, there was a. Some guy I've never even heard of him said that this was the biggest coaching mismatch. So, uh, like, how do you like me now? <laughs> now Musk and coach, Musk and coach. Look, there's that. there's a lot of things that you could criticize him for. Yeah, uh, his coaching coach. acumen is not one of those things. All right, what do you got next day? Um, I had a uh, Cameron Crutwick's uh, Goonies sloth go- from the Goonies celebration after stripping. Uh, <laughs> Cam, I mean Aya on the side. It was pretty funny to see <laughs> to see him celebrate that much. Like it was, it was. You never really get a good look at a person's face during the game, and I, I saw him and immediately thought of that, and I was I couldn't stop laughing. So next one, next one I have is uh is the Groves brothers at uh at, uh-huh. at Eastern Washington. Cam Groves, Jacob Groves. Just killers, awesome. dude. They were so good. And it looked like they had Screech and Tom Hanks from Cat. That's part of it. They're just out there giving Kansas buckets nonstop. Now, I thought they, they had the chance to win that game, too. They did. They kind of yeah, blew it. Bro. I thought they had a chance to win that one. Whatever, man. Look, look the, the Groves brothers are legends. I love those dudes. I, I hope that they stay in college forever. And I wish that we could take them and put them on another team just so they would still be in the NCAA. Did you Did you see Pat McAfee's uh, tweet? He goes, these, uh, these dudes are going to go and destroy the YMCA League uh, in another year. Someone tweeted at him and goes, hey, stay in your lane. He goes, white guys playing at the YMCA game buckets is my lane. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Pat McAfee. All right, Goodman, what do you got next? I mean, what else? But the Pac-12, baby. I went to Arizona. I'm a Pac-10 guy. Pac-10, okay? But but I'm going Pac-12 here. And uh, Pac-12, the greatest conference in college basketball. And nobody – I mean, who's arguing? Anybody want to argue? Big 10, how many teams left? One. Big 12, how many teams left? One. Summit League, how many teams left? One. Pac-12, four, baby. 
four. Pack 12 dominance. Two of them are playing each other next one. We'll see how many is left after that. All right. What do we got, Fanda? What's next? Well, I think I'm going to go right off the Pack 12. I just think it's amazing that the first night of this tournament, Mick Cronin and Hep Cronin get to enjoy that moment together. And Hep Cronin has to be on cloud nine right now because he's basically, you know, he, he, he's so used to being with his son. And people don't know this side of Mick. They don't see this side of Mick. And I actually think, Jeff and Rob, you'd be better at, at, at identifying this. But Mick Cronin came off as this, you know, at Cincinnati, the guy that nobody liked, and he's kind of a little jerk, and Xavier fans only made it worse. And and all of a sudden, I, I almost think that going to Los Angeles for Mick Cronin has been a good thing for kind of his rep. This is huge for him because the biggest thing was he can't make the NCAA tournament run. It just goes to show you that's such an arbitrary thought because this is the most random thing that, that we could have predicted that he now is standing in the Sweet 16 after a key injury. I think it's really amazing that he hadn't seen his father for 13 months. It's kind of full circle, right? We've gone through this pandemic. You start to feel normalcy coming back. And part of the normalcy in college basketball is UCLA actually being relevant. They are on the Sweet 16, and I'm happy for Mick Cronin because I, they, I think he's man, got – Aren't they the only like, – aren't they the only – like true blue blood. I mean, we can call Villanova blue blood, but like who else is yeah. left? Like Duke gone, Kentucky gone, yeah. um, everybody. I mean, Michigan State, like everybody's out now. UCLA Michigan. is like blue blood left. Would you consider I, Michigan? I would, no, I wouldn't I would even consider Michigan. Argue, what am I talking about? What am I talking about? Sorry. I would argue Villanova is a blue blood. Fine. No. But they're, they're but your, your, your point is well taken. Dave, what's next? Uh, I was just going to talk about how Sister Jean just had the internet on fire the entire <laughs> the entire Loyola run. Like everyone was talking about Sister Jean and her and her uh, and her scouting reports, basically. Oh, so, scouting. Like, <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. I thought it, I had everybody. I'm Sister Jean. Let's Everybody go. ran with it. It was two days. It's two days. Everybody ran with it. It was it was a fun. It's, it was look, a fun geez, it wasn't nearly as bad as last final yeah. four. You, you probably weren't here today. No. It was out of control because people were there, so they were all talking to her. I was actually like right next to her in a room at at Hinkle, and um, I don't know. I just feel like you know what I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like Sister Jean takes away a little bit from the loyal accomplishments of the players because so many people focus on her instead of the players. That's just me. It, look, it's it's a fun story, but it's also kind of like, okay, like we get it. It's Sister Jean. She's a nun. I love basketball. Like, awesome. Great. Let's move cool. on. You yes. have a team that can get to a Final Four again from the NBC. They right? refuse. Like, they refuse. Yeah. They refuse. Um, so the only other thing, like I, I wrote down Kevin O'Banner and Max Asmus, but I feel like that's kind of – um, Easy. Yeah, we've we've got So the the last one that I've written down, which like like legitimately floored me, I could not stop laughing when he did this. Is Fran Mc, so Fran McCaffrey today? Second half, they're down by twenty. Um, he's sitting there. He's got the mask on, right? And he's sitting there and he's screaming at the officials, just like laying into him with the mask on. And like the, the, the camera pans over to him and zooms in on, him, and you see him like. Like hair going everywhere, right? And then he goes and he sits down in a huff and he lays down and he pulls the mask off his face and he just screams, fuck. 
and puts the mask back on. <laughs> he pulled the mask off his face to scream fuck as loud as he could and then put the mask right back on. Oh, I was dying. I, was I feel dying. like you need to as a coach. When things aren't going right, you know you're going to get ousted. It's just like I'm going to let the referees know how I feel. Like I'm not letting you walk out of here without letting you know He spent a full minute cussing out an official with the mask on, and then goes to the bench, pulls the mask down, yells fuck, and puts it right back on. What would you do? Like, If you feel like you're getting a raw deal, granted they weren't. They were just getting destroyed. But still, you're not going to see that referee for another like five months or whatever. (laughs) I'm letting you know what I think about you personally. (laughs) Uh, All right, Jeff, what do you got? Uh, The Indiana fans. I just think, honestly, in the last week, it's been a love affair with me and the Indiana fans. And um, would you say love affair? Like love affair. maybe a love hate. Love hate. Like, there you go. <laughs> you know, these these knuckleheads thought they were getting Brad Stevens. They did, and we tried to tell them yeah. over and over and over, and they didn't listen. So Brad said it early in the week that he wasn't coming, but he was kind of a little bit lukewarm about how he said it. He didn't come out and say, "Hey, I'm I'm not going." So I had to, in the middle of, of a game at Hinkle, which was kind of apropos that it was at Hinkle, and I had to go downstairs and get on the Celtics pregame availability with Brad Stevens. And I know I cover enough Celtics games, so I hit up the PR guy and I said, hey, um, can I ask the first question? You know, I'm at Hinkle. And he said, no problem. So uh, I asked the first question, and it was basically, hey, Brad, like what are the chances you go to, to Indiana? And he basically said, I'm not going. And then he went on to to call himself. Uh, He basically said, hey, I'm not a kid anymore. I'm a 44-year-old masshole uh, who who drives crazy. I go to Dunkin' Donuts and I root for the Patriots. So uh, I tweeted that. And, man, and then since I've tweeted, you know, Paul Mills should be the next coach. Like, I'm just screwing with these fans now and, and, and having fun with the Indiana fans. And, uh, yeah, they don't, they don't really like me. And then I tweeted a picture of me and Thad Mata. Like, it couldn't have worked out better with Thad Mata being at the game today. And he was so good about it. I'm like, Thad, we got to take a picture. I got to be able to screw with the Indiana fans. He's like, yeah, no problem. Let's do it. That is amazing. That That's time. awesome. That, that comment was great. Sean Michael bringing the heat. Did you see that day? Oh, let me bring it back up. Oh, wow. Play it again. That was awesome. This is the VCR that's today's technology. <laughs> Yo, he's been on fire today. Oh, my God. He's been on fire today. I'm not going to He's been amazing today. That's big time. That's big time. We need him, we need him back here for the yeah. next. <laughs> All right. All right, Fanna, Fanna, give us give us one more and uh, and bring us home. Here we go, baby. Here we go. Okay. All right. Good evening. Good evening, everybody. I, I was told Villanova was in trouble. They were going to lose to Pat Kelsey and Winthrop. There's the VU Coach Jay Wright tweet. Pat, thanks so much for your time. Have a nice night. And then they face North Texas, and they throw the mean green back to Texas. All I'm going to say is this, in addition to that, that's Villanova, I'm not that surprised. I will say this. <laughs> Underlying storyline of the opening weekend, yes, they beat two teams that they should beat, but – People at Creighton and in Omaha expect the program to be Final Four type conversation. Creighton has never, never made it to the second weekend of the tournament since this structure was put into place. The Creighton Blue Jays have not been one of the final 16 teams standing in the NCAA tournament since 1974. And I will cap it off with this. 
What Greg McDermott said three weeks ago is terrible, wrong, inexcusable, unacceptable, all of those things that we have dis- discussed. Our own Jens Manica talked about Greg and talked about the different variables of this situation. Now, I can tell you guys, I've been on every Greg McDermott availability, and you guys know Greg. And Greg McDermott, throughout every media availability, and his kids have talked about the fact that Greg was wrong in every aspect, but that Greg's ownership has shown. And in no way does it make it right. It doesn't. It's inexcusable. I will say this. I've seen a man that comes through genuine and that comes through apologetic. He has work to do, but it says a lot about his kids, his kids, his players. It says a lot about those kids that they went through what they went through. I don't know how I would respond as a player. Those players have responded, and I want to congratulate Marcus Zagorowski, Damian Jefferson, Denzel Mahoney, Mitch Ballock. Those kids stuck together. And in a world where we have disruption and nobody sticks together, I'm going to credit those Creighton kids. They're going to the Sweet 16. Sweet 16 for the first time in school history. Congratulations to those kids. They have, an, they have a next-to-impossible task against Gonzaga, but I think that'll be a fun game to watch. And for the Blue Jays, yeah. this is historic. That was well, my number five, Fanner. That was my number five, Fanner. That was perfect, bro. Did you, go, did you guys see the celebration in the locker room afterwards, the video they put out? Yeah. No, that was, was good. That was a good one. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, everyone – and Goodman, everyone – was involved. Everyone on the team really? was in there. That's good. That's good. Now, I, I, um, I talked to Greg's wife before the game, and, and obviously I know Marcus Egorowski's parents well, uh, Mandy and Zach, and it was interesting talking <laughs> to Lisa. I didn't talk to her for long, but you could tell. I mean, it's obviously affected the family big time. And listen, if it was a pattern, that's one thing. You know, if it's a pattern, okay, you know what? He's gone. But it wasn't a pattern, and it was it was like I don't want to get into it, but it was obviously a huge mistake. And like you said, Fanta, he he's he's owned up to it, and um, you know ultimately it's cool that these players are, have done something that hasn't been done there in so long. Facts. Yep. That's the team to do it too. So this yep. is a good team. Yeah, it'll be fun. That game actually. Um, all right, can can we before we 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 get off? Can we give us the one? Game, you might have already done this. The we one did. game we're most looking forward to in the Sweet 16, what it is. Yeah. I yep. picked the Crane game. He took, I picked, I picked Dave, Creighton Gonzaga. I took Florida State, Michigan. You guys got anything else? I was going to go Creighton Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. I just think, like, if Creighton's making their shots, and, and Gonzaga didn't look dominant today, they did not look dominant against an Oklahoma team that didn't have their second best player. I, 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 dis, I disagree. Okay, I was there. They, they didn't look dominant. That first <laughs> half was that first Austin, half. Was, Austin Reeves played his ass off. Okay, Lenny Manick was like one for ten from the field. They had nothing yeah. else. They had nothing yeah, else, bro. And, and why? Why? Because Devon Harmon had COVID. That's why. How about how about just for a moment, just reflect off that, uh, Jeff and guys. The the Creighton Gonzaga line is like thirteen and a half right now. Ooh. Meanwhile. Whoa. Meanwhile, I'm just sharing this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, let me take a step back. <laughs> I, I will say, I will say, I'm a little bit surprised at this. I was surprised to see the. I was surprised to see the Baylor Villanova line is only six. Yeah, I agree. Whoa, only six. That's I mean, 
Baylor could honestly. So I saw that game. That's what I fell in love with Baylor for the first time, by the way, a year and a half ago in Myrtle Beach. I saw Baylor play Villanova. You talked. Remember we did a Skype interview with you down in Myrtle Beach? Yes. 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 I was in in a, uh, like I was getting lunch right on the beach inside. And, and we had the background of the beach. Absolutely. I do remember that. That I mean, that game was awesome. And uh, that I'm telling you, that's when I fell in love with Baylor. I'm looking you for what? Colin Gillespie had 27 points in that Myrtle championship game against Baylor. He was the best player on the floor for Nova. Yep. I just, I'm just wondering how Jay Wright, and if anyone could do it, it's Jay. But Jay's going to have to limit the possessions. I just don't know how Chris Archidiacono and Caleb Daniels are handling Teague and Mitchell and everything Baylor throws at you. It, this is a yeah. mighty, mighty challenge for Nova. But I, I give Nova credit. I mean, I, I'm with you guys. I'm one of the people. I did not know how they were going to piece anything together this weekend, and they won both games by double digits. I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm curious. Everything. Go ahead, Dick. Which, which one is a mightier task? I mean, I feel like Villanova's is actually a little bit more of an uphill battle than Creighton's. I feel like if Creighton comes out and shoots the ball well, yes. they got a really good chance of beating them. They do. They do. The only problem that worries me about Creighton is that, obviously, they have their four their four wings and guards that will be on the perimeter. Kristen Bishop isn't the type of guy that's going to catch the ball in the post and put any pressure on Drew Timmy, but he is going to ball screen it and, and roll his ass to the basket and hopefully get lobs and, and or catches and, and swings and stuff like that. So I just wonder what kind of pressure they can put on the bigs because that's where they're like susceptible to lose that. Yep. One, thing, one thing Nova's done when they have pulled off a shocker, last year they played Kansas at Wells Fargo. Kansas mm-hmm. was a better team at the time. Nova won the game by a point. Yeah. You know what Jay Wright did? He said, I'm, he went rolling Massimino. He took the air out of the ball. He took the shot clock down to 10 every possession, and he said, then we'll move, and we'll get a high percentage three. Okay. But I, I, I'm shocked, honestly. Like, this Villanova team is still they, – they beat Winthrop in North Texas. I don't know how they compete with Baylor's backcourt. If there's anybody that can do it, it's them. Uh, but I would give Creighton more of a shot just because I think Creighton's got more firepower. What I would yeah. say to that, Fanta, is what I expect Villanova to do is – play I don't know how much the, the Chris Archdiakon is going to play I think they'll go with Justin Moore kind of at the one but then just run everything through Jeremiah Robinson Earl again and try and dare them to put Flo Thamba or um or JTT on him at the totally. five and I think what will happen is then the 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 move that uh Scott Drew will do is then put uh, Mark Vital on Jeremiah Robinson Earl and I think that would be a tougher matchup but then you're looking at a situation where you're going to have four guards. And I think that what Villanova can do then is find a mismatch somewhere. Whoever Matthew Meyer is guarding or whoever Macy Oteague is guarding, try to get them um, in a situation where you can kind of get them going against a closeout or something like that. Um, so I, I think that there are ways to do it, especially with the way that Jeremiah Robinson Earl is playing. But that's a tough matchup. And then so my take, today, I told you this before, my take on Creighton Gonzaga is, is Gonzaga – and Creighton basically do the same things and want to play the yeah. same way. But Gonzaga has a better player at every single position. Go yeah. to the list. Go to the list and tell like we went through I already, it. Got, I already got castrated while I was on here. The, the group yeah. did not, they were not happy with me. Yeah, they, <laughs> I not like when uh, when Day said he'd take Marcus Zagorowski over Jalen Suggs. I was like, for what Marcus Zagorowski does for his team versus like what they expect. What they expect from the top two scorers for Gonzaga to do for the team, Jalen Suggs isn't one of the top two scorers, so Zagorowski has more opportunity to go out there and be more aggressive because that's what he does for his team. You know, that's the problem with Zagorowski. 
Husky. Honestly, I don't think he's rough. I don't think he's selfish enough. Um, he's not selfish enough, but he also is their leading scorer. And if he needed to be, I feel like he would go that route. Like it's, I just feel like with their team, they have four to five guys that are going to average double figures. Yes. Zagorowski's the catalyst. Right. Goodman, real quick, that we've had like seven questions about it. Can you just let people know like what happened with Thad and like what what happened there? Thad, Thad it, it, it was a it was a incorrect report that Thad Mata got hired and failed the physical. Uh, <laughs> and I put it out, so I asked Thad. I literally asked Thad, and he's like, "No, it's it's complete BS." So, um, <laughs> hey, did you guys see? I, I have to tell you this because it was classic. Did you see the tweet? So I put out a tweet when I went to Purdue the other night about the statue of Robbie Hummel. Did you guys see that? <laughs> no, I, mean, I didn't see that. No, no. So I, put out sources. I, saw it. I, saw it. I put out sources. Robbie Hummel's statue is in the works here at Mackey. Likely spot is immediately next to this one of Wooden. And, and there's a statue of John Wooden out front then. So the best part of it. Guess who responds? There's a, a head coach of a team that is still in the Sweet 16 right now and a top head coach. This is what he responds. Love this. Let's go. Robbie, Robbie, Robbie. He was super excited about it. Completely fell for the Robbie Hummel statue. No I'm going to give each one of you a guess. Dave, I'll start with you because Dostar, I think, already knows. I know the, I know the answer. You guys are going to be laughing. Which coach texted that in the group text to me and Robbie? I'm going with uh... – I'm going with uh, Nate Oates. <laughs> I'll take my L. Wait, it's one of the 16 still remaining? Right. Yes. I'll go Scott Drew. Yes. You did it. Scott's and, a nice guy. That's why I went for it. And, and the other nice coach, the other, Robbie told me, I saw him today. He was doing the game, uh, the two games tonight. I said, you get any other texts? Yeah, Bryce Drew also. <laughs> <laughs> the whole Drew family. Yeah. The, the connection there is that they're – Robbie grew up in Valpo and was a huge oh, Valpo fan um, and obviously the Drew connection to, to Valpo. Love it. Um, love also, it. I love I love the uh, the the comment. Yeah. The guy said that Robbie Hummel's statue has stitches on his knee. Exactly. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Have you been checking out the comments in general? Though? They've been talking about because we were talking about blue bloods a second ago. Oh, and these guys have they've been going crazy. They're making this is a joke about the new blue bloods who haven't won any championships with just good teams because people are mad that Michigan isn't considered a blue blood. They're not. Uh, oh, they're, they're, they're going uh, in Gary, right Gary now. Lopez, UConn is definitely a blue blood. And with that, we will end the stream. Oh my gosh. There we go. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> hey, hey, that's for the reaction. Do me a favor. I want you to list out all of the college basketball programs that have won four national titles since 1999. And go. <laughs> I love we started at 99. Such a great year. No, 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 no. Look, no, there's no question. Like, let's let, briefly. I'll make this clear. There's no question when people ask me, and this is easy. If you people say. So after Villanova, like who in the Big East could make the deepest run for a national title? There's no question who it is. It is the UConn Huskies, and they are well on their way back. They're bringing in a top 10 recruiting class, and Dan Hurley has things in the right direction. Let me give you one very brief Dan Hurley story from Big East Tournament Week. UConn is marching up the floor against Creighton, okay? They are not at the timeline. No, excuse me. Creighton is coming up the floor against UConn. Creighton has not even passed half court. 
You know, you know, on Twitter when there's those tweets, no one colon, and there's no words, and then it's in this instance, it's Dan Hurley. Dan Hurley in a silent Madison Square Garden. Three seconds. There's not one person in the painted area. <laughs> Stu Jackson is on the other side of the court. Stu Jackson, senior associate commissioner of Big East Men's Basketball. Stu, how did you get hired in in <laughs> <laughs> I heard Dan Hurley was mellow. Somebody said, "No, nah, he's really cool. He's he really did. cool. He gets he could, he could get nuts, but he's really cool." I, I, I used really to play cool. against him. I used he, to play against him in high school. He he rarely he he would yell from time to time, but like he's always chill. <laughs> he's probably he's probably developed this new uh, "I'm going nuts" manner though over the years. I've haven't seen him in a while. <laughs> His dad, man. It's crazy. What a great weekend. What a great weekend. Goodman, I'm jealous. Great. I mean, we we tweeted, I tweeted out, it's been uh, 18 games in 101 hours that I've seen. 18 games in 101 hours. And and to be honest, I would have done all eight today and yesterday, but the NCAA, David Dammit Warlock, let me see eight games next time. Bullshit. Complete bullshit. There's no way. Trying to, trying to hold the man down. That's what you're doing, Warlock. There's no way Warlock is watching this right now. But anyway, um, if, anyone, if anyone's still watching this right now, I just want to let you guys know that tomorrow we are dropping an unbelievable episode of 68 Shining Moments uh, that Goodman recorded with Scott Drew, Paul Mills, the head coach at Oral Roberts, Jerome Tang, and Matt Driscoll, who were all on the same staff at Baylor back in the day when it was – when Baylor was like in 2003, when Baylor was just getting started, and the stories, I they are it's unbelievable. Good. Can't wait. Right? How good? Un like I, I was honestly like you were like, oh, this is the best thing I've ever done, and I was like, yeah, okay, what? Like Goodman has a propensity to kind of hype things up a little bit, but I listened. Like I good. swear, I was laughing the whole time. So make great, sure right? you download that tomorrow. Uh, subscribe to that feed. Go check it out. It is awesome. Um, thank you for hanging out with us. This was fun. We're gonna have to do this more Thanks. often. Uh, Dave, yeah, I mean, why, why am I, I never know. invited on this? I had it's, it's our show. We got a show going here. No, this is bullshit. This is where we do business at, Jeff. We're bringing Fanta back. A very fan of that. Fanta's definitely got to come back. I, I'll listen it to Fanta is, all the time. Is, I, love is, Fanta. Is, I love Fanta. <laughs> I love Fanta. What, 